All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks conversation my name is david Gugelli. that is harman dial our technical producer the man at the controls is grady sass Chairgate has a new chapter harman we forgot to switch chairs yeah i just realized i just realized it too it feels weird doesn't it yeah i don't like it we can't do it live on the show that's not good uh after a weekend that we went into by talking about shohei otani for the last 20 minutes of the show we can't open this show uh by I said no, no Tawny talk on Monday. I made that rule. Yeah, and then he signed with the Dodgers, so you're getting overruled. Anyways, we'll talk about Otani later, I'm sure. Uh, but before that, we need to talk about our friends over at Four Winds Brewing because they are presenting this episode of Canucks Conversation. Family-owned and operated in Delta, home to the Four Winds Light Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy-drinking beer, a beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during the game. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Now, if you need any help figuring out when a good time for some Four Winds in is, obviously it's any time, but maybe a victory over the Carolina Hurricanes. Maybe if you're a Dodgers fan, Otani signs. 10 years, $700 million. Like okay, a star. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm reeling it in. walk off the set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reeling it in. I'm reeling it in. Uh, let's start with the win over the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday night for those Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, thoroughly impressive performance. It was really, really complete 
through the first two periods, the Canucks allowed four even strength shots against a team like the Carolina Hurricanes that dominate puck possession, uh, basically fire everything they can towards the net, right? They're a team that isn't necessarily chasing shot quality and lots of pretty passing, passing plays. They're more a team that doesn't matter if they're at the point from weird angles, they're just going to pepper the net, try and create some havoc, uh, rely on some of their bigger bodies to try and win battles. And so they're a high shot volume team, even when they struggle as they have been on this Western swing. And so for the Canucks defensively at five on five to limit them that much through the first two periods, of course, uh, then pulling, uh, pulling things out in the third as well. I was really impressed. And really the only time the hurricanes looked really, really dangerous was when the Canucks ran into penalty trouble and, uh, put the Canes on uh, on the power play. But outside of that, it was uh, awesome to see some fantastic individual performances, individual performances, a uh, top on top end of the lineup came through. Uh, the defense played better. I thought there were a lot of instances where in terms of why the Canucks were successful and got off to a good start. A lot of little things like the defense been pinching up. Nikita Zadora, for example, I counted at least two or three plays where He's stepping up and essentially sealing off Carolina's breakout, and that helps keep a puck in. And really, the Canucks' defensive success starts starts with their ability to slow the other team down when the Canucks are in the offensive zone. And I, I thought they executed that really well. 4-3 Canucks win. Uh, 21 saves for Thatcher Demko. I'm not going to get into the 4K chances. It was very similar, actually. I was keeping track in the press box of the high-danger chances, the high-danger, high-danger chances. We're now calling 4K chances, I think, uh, my complete eye test model uh, of what a high-danger chance is. It was actually very similar to what Natural Stature had, so I'm not even going to read it. I had, like, two extra high-danger chances on Thatcher Demko than Natural Statric did. Uh, Sam Lafferty opens the scoring with his eighth goal of the season. And I was sitting next to Carol, Carol Schramm, uh, and she pointed out to me that Sam Lafferty now has the same number of goals as Sebastian Ajo on the season. Uh, so obviously Sam Lafferty finding success alongside Elias Pettersson. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about Elias Pettersson, who gets three points on the four Canucks goals. And as you'll see shortly, maybe should have gotten the third assist on the fourth goal, or excuse me, the third goal that the Canucks scored, which would have given them four points on the night. All of those goals coming at five on five, and where have we been talking about Elias Patterson the most? It's at five on five. What did you think of his line on the night before we get into what I just kind of alluded to there? Yeah, I mean, Pedersen was dominated. It's exactly what we wanted to see from him at even strength, the way that he was able to control the flow of play. You could also just see the difference in how commanding of a presence he had when he picked up the puck. You look at the Lafferty goal, it starts with Pedersen sort of receiving a pass close to the offensive blue line and then sort of weaving his way through some lateral movements, creating that type of separation in high traffic areas that I think he struggled to at times over the last maybe 10 games or so. But creating that separation and then getting that chance in the high, high slot off uh, Jen Bodrell, I think it was on the sports net uh, panel sh- sort of also revealed that Lafferty using his speed to sort of drive the center lane was able to open up that high slot area for Pedersen to get that shot off because Kane sort of had two defenders, but then you see this 
missile uh, in Sam Lafferty headed straight towards the net. They have to respect that. They have to track back, and that leaves that area open for Pedersen to get that shot off. Gets it low to shoot for the rebound, uh, and then Lafferty there to to deposit and uh, deposit it. Um, the assist he had on McCann's goal too. I mean, that's an elite playmaker's assist because that was such a tight window for Pedersen to try and nail with that pass where you've got to be careful to make sure that the pass across isn't within the vicinity of the Carolina defender. In this case, it was a forward tracking um, Mikheyev. Can't be within that uh, that Carolina forward's reach to where he can knock it away, but also can't be within the goalie's reach to where he can poke check it away. So it, it's a really tight window to nail, and he got it exactly on Mikheyev's McCabe's tape. All you have to do is have a stick on the ice. That's what elite playmakers do is they elevate their line mates. I thought uh, Pedersen did that. And the other element too is in the, for most of the season, we've seen the JT Miller line take on tough matchups, go up against the other team's best players. But on this night, it was a Pedersen's line that spent nearly seven minutes head to head against the Sebastian Ajo line. And in that time, clearly won those matchups. What did you think of his line mates? Or what have you thought of his line mates, I should say, lately compared to a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Elias Patterson, namely struggling so much at five on five? Yeah, I think McCabe's been up and down, which is to be expected given the severity of the injury he, he came back from. Of course, I think it was the third period of, what was the game before Minnesota? The game where also Kuzmenko got... New stapled. Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. So... Mikheyev, you know, didn't see much time in the third period. And, he, you know, he, he's he been a little bit up and down lately, which, again, is is fine. Uh, Lafferty, he has mostly done well on Pedersen's line. But we know that he's not a real top six forward. And there have been a couple games here and there where, where he hasn't been at his best, even though, of course, he's also had performances like the one um, – yeah, the the other night against Carolina where he was really effective. Uh, you know, it's it's been up and down, I think, in terms of the help that Patterson has had on um, on his wings. And even though, yes, McKayev and Lafferty both scored, to me, that line's success against Carolina was an elite player dragging everybody up with him. How much longer can it last? I think that's the question that everybody is asking. I'm not going to make you try and give an answer because... Look, we know that it's probably going to be a limited time before the shine kind of wears off. We've already seen it happen with Phil DiGiuseppe in a top six role. It's going to happen at some point. Uh, hopefully by that point, they will have some more clarity on Andre Kuzmenko, who I did not think played particularly well against Carolina. couple opportunities to shoot. Just looks like a guy who's gripping the stick too hard right now. Yeah, although I will point out that at least his line didn't get um, didn't get caved. I mean, shots I'm looking here were six one uh, with uh, the Kuzmenko line on the ice. So a- again, Carolina is a team that even when they're not playing their best, is anytime you're short, sorting through any type of possession or shot metrics, they're always at the top of the NHL leaderboards. So uh, to play a team like that. And to at least not be a liability, at least not be a problem. I mean, it's a really low bar, but, and it's not meant as praise, but at least if he's still working through his confidence, he's not actively hurting your team. And I mean, he was really close to scoring. It just feels like he's also snake bin, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there was that net front chance where I think it was late, you know, Kuzmika was right on the doorstep. So, you know, he tracks, 
tracks that loose uh, rebound. And then Shea just last minute is able to stick check him and Kuzmeko doesn't quite have the power to muscle it over uh, the goal line. I mean, those are just the little things that go against you that it feels like Kuzmeko just needs one of those to, to go in uh, for him to start regaining that, um, that confidence. If that play happens last year, you know, that's a goal just yep. based yeah. on the lack of puck luck he's had around the net this season. You know, so many of those tap in goals we saw last year, they're just, they're just dried up. They just aren't there for him. So if he keeps hanging around the net though, they will come eventually at some point here. Yeah. And uh, look, I, I, I saw, I heard some people complaining that he's on the fourth line. It's like, well, how's he going to score if he's on the fourth line? That's exactly where he should be right now. You shelter him at five and five, you give him that power play time. You've already spoken about it. Not going to sound like a broken record here. Um, look, I, I think what they're doing with him is fine. They need that team. They need the team to be going. And right now he's not helping them get going at five on five. So he needs to, he needs to get that confidence back. I, I think it's largely a confidence issue for him uh, at this point in the season. How could it not be right? So hopefully he kind of turns a corner at some point here. Uh, okay. Moving back to Elias Patterson, who I wanted to highlight, as we said, three points, a goal and two assists. And what should have been maybe a four point night. If you ask Rick Tockett, and JT Miller, Rick Tockett spoke about the JT Miller goal after the game. We talked about how when everybody was celebrating, he went up to Elias Patterson and said, hey, you should have gotten an assist on that goal because Elias Patterson had a very timely change. He kept his shift short, which, hey, that's something his line, him particularly, struggled with at times. That night, he was a minus three a week or two ago. That was something that Tockett criticized was everybody's out there too long. Everybody's t- trying to take an ex- make an extra move, make an extra play. And then they're too tired to back check where they have to get off the ice. A really short shift for Elias Patterson leads directly to JT Miller getting lost in coverage and scoring a goal. That goal where he jumped right off the bench, third goal of the game uh, for the Canucks jumps right off the bench, fed in the high slot by Brock Besser after some exceptional work on the four check by Niels Huglander leads to JT Miller scoring uh, JT spoke about it post game. And then as you'll hear in this clip we have here, I asked Elias about that post game as well. You know, honestly, it was a, you know, it was a great change by Petey. Very selfless by him. Um, you know, he easily could have hung around there to see what happened on offense. You know, it's and I don't blame him, but he changed, and I kind of got lost in coverage just by coming off the bench, and uh, I didn't know if they knew I changed. That's why I yelled so loud, probably. But they did a good job of buying some time for me. JT just called it a selfless change by you on his goal, the third goal of the game. What did you see on that play? Yeah, I saw I got the puck, and I saw Hogland there was in, so. Pretty much his line was in, and also I, I don't know how long it was in, 30, 40 seconds. I just tried to get it deep, and it worked out great for him to pretty much just get it and get it on his stick, and uh, it was 3-1 for us. So, But I think uh, everybody sees that. No, it just happened to go off a goal. Now, we've heard before Tockett speaking about short shifts. Something he highlighted at the practice on Sunday out at UBC was that that was what he wants to see is everybody rotating through and the rhythm that you're starting to feel when everybody is having short shifts and everybody's fresh when they hit the ice. That's what's going to make this team successful is kind of abiding by that and keeping to that, which I thought they did an exceptional job of on Saturday night. Yeah, next practice, they're going to work on counting how many players are in the ice <laughs> so that they don't continue to take too many men penalties. I mean, it was hilarious. Like, I mean, it's hilarious because they won. If if they had lost, it would have been extremely frustrating. But yeah, you take two of them, and both of them involve Cole and uh, and Hughes. And I think for the week they had three of them. Yeah. 
So going to have to go back to uh, grade school and learn how to count there. Yeah, uh, it was funny because on Sunday, and we don't have the audio of this one, but on Sunday after the practice, Taka was like, yeah, I really liked our changes, except, except for the too many men. <laughs> like, yeah, except for that part. Uh, but of course, keeping the shift short, it's going to be crucial for this team uh, as we move forward. Okay, we're going to talk about Ethan Bear here. But before we do that, got to talk about Quinn Hughes, who I think had one of his worst games of the season against the Carolina Hurricanes, which was very nice to see that they still came out with a victory despite that and hey Quinn Hughes worst game of the season is still the best game of the season for a lot of guys on this team but not a great game for him against Carolina just three points in his last six games which hey that that seems like pretty harsh regression based on where he was leading the league uh in November yeah it happens uh, his ice time ended up being below 20 minutes he wasn't out there much in the last six minutes sort of defending the lead but this is where it was, you know, you're you're already seeing the dividends of uh, the Zadorov trade. Uh, I mean, I thought quietly it was one of his better performances as, as a Vancouver Canuck. Earlier, I referenced the few instances where he'd stand up at the offensive or at, at the offensive blue line to sort of pinch and, and keep offensive possessions live. But also, there were a few plays in the defensive zone where he'd either make a block or collect it. Somehow, end up end up with the puck in the defensive zone. And instead of panicking and immediately getting rid of the puck, icing it, or giving it back to the opposition, he'd start moving his feet. He'd skate it, or he'd make a poised decision uh, and, and a subsequent pass so that the Canucks could break out with control, which uh, helps, out a, helps out a ton. He was out there late, um, a lot defending the lead. It sort of helps to have those insurance options on a night where, yeah, it's a rare off night for Quinn. And if you don't have a guy like Zadorov and you don't have Susie, then all of a sudden your blue line and, and the options you have against a, a quality Canes team, you don't feel a lot of confidence in as a coaching staff. So now you can't afford to limit Quinn's minutes a little bit. And uh, you look at the uh, Carolina power play goal. I think the cross ice pass, which the penalty kill has started to allow more of that went right past Quinn. That's the the type of pass that he needed to to sort of take away. So I look at a sequence like that and go, yeah, it was a rare off night, and this is where you're glad that um, you have some depth in that the bottom four. Noah Juleson as well. I mean, he wasn't making many mistakes. He's looked more poised than he has, um, a lot more poised than he has when uh, he first started suiting up for games this season. So it was great that you didn't panic all of a sudden and go, man, this blue line is screwed because Hughes isn't playing 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, Juleson got some love post game from Rick Tuckett as well. And I was there and I was waiting for the, he's been one of our best players. He said one of our better players. I just, I'm, I'm always listening for that now. If he says he's been one of our best players, like he said about Tyler Myers, because obviously we talked about that quite a bit. Uh, didn't say quite that about Noah Juleson, uh, but he did say it. I also wanted to bring up the, the PK stats. Yeah. I, bring it up. I vaguely referenced them before. I don't know if I brought up the exact numbers. So this season, Noah Juleson, has spent 26 minutes uh, 26 minutes and 13 seconds on the PK. It's nearly half a game. Only two on the ice on the ice for two goals against in that time. And you look at some of the shot and expected goals against rates as well. Uh, they're by far some of the, the best numbers among Canucks Blue Liners. Obviously, he's mostly been in a second unit role. So when you're coming on in um, in a second unit role, oftentimes it's 
you've just had a clear and the opposition has to get set up as opposed to first unit. If they win the draw, they're immediately sort of um, set up. So that's obviously inflating some of his Mm -hmm. on ice PK metrics a little bit, but even just watching him on the PK, uh, he's been a lot better the way that he's sacrificing his body, paying the price, some hard clears that effectiveness shorthanded, I'm sure is a big reason why he's um, in the lineup. And when you've got Noah Juleson playing like this, you obviously don't need Ethan Bear. Let's okay, dive into okay. it. <laughs> Let's not go too far. Our next segment is brought to you by the Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool Game. Wendy's is letting you win real food with your fantasy team this year with the Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool. For those of you who dream of smoking the competition, Wendy's is rewarding you with weekly prizes that will have you winning. But here's the big secret to lineups. It's all serendipitous, like Wendy's new limited edition chicken strips and French toast sticks. Sometimes the best teammates are the ones you least suspect. Sign up to play Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool to win weekly prizes like new chicken strips and French toast sticks from Wendy's and the Wendy's app. I had some Wendy's on the weekend. I was out. Uh, shout out Abbotsford Nissan, my, my fellas out there. Um, hooked me up. I... I, I Got a new car. Got a new car. Oh, nice. Really that nation network it. money hits different. <laughs> I was really st- I'm really stoked about it. You, you know all my troubles with my past yeah. car, which we're not going to delve into on the show. Uh, but yeah, shout out Abbotsford Nissan. They hooked me up. I got some Wendy's while I was out there in Abbotsford. It started snowing while I was at the dealership. And I was like, in my head, of course, in my head, I was thinking, better buy an SUV or I'm not getting home today. <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, shout out the great folks over at Abbotsford Nissan. And of course, Wendy's as well. That's when you got to negotiate for the winter tires. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, what do we have here? Okay, Wendy's. Yeah, the Daily VSL Survivor game. I've made my pick. It's a Monday, which means I'm still in the game for now. <laughs> because it's the first day pick. I picked the Dallas Stars to win against the Detroit Red, Red Wings. Tonight. Okay, you, got, you hear that, guys? Uh, bet on the Detroit Red Wings to beat the Dallas Oh, Stars. come on. I, 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 feel, I think I'll be good today. Hopefully Wednesday uh, we'll chat with Frank Cervalli and see how he's doing as well. But yes, I went with the Dallas Stars to beat the Detroit Red Wings tonight. Okay, life without Ethan Bear. We need to become prepared for it because on Saturday night, Sportsnet Elliot Friedman reported on Hockey Night in Canada that there's a bidding war going on for Ethan Bear. We heard this from guys like Dollywall uh, and throughout the market as well. We've been hearing this lately that the Canucks are a no, no longer the front runner to go get Ethan Bear, but that teams have emerged with higher bids than the Canucks. We heard the Toronto Maple Leafs potentially, but it seems like the Washington Capitals are the team that is accelerating to the front of the pack when it comes to the Ethan Bear sweepstakes, if you want to call it that. The Canucks clearly aren't interested in getting into a bidding war for you know a bottom four defenseman. Uh, so they are not going to be getting in on Ethan Bear. Rick Dollywall reporting today that the Canucks are out on the Ethan Bear sweepstakes. Yeah, I mean, this would have, of course, felt like a much bigger blow if uh, the Canucks hadn't pulled off that uh, trade for Nikita Zadorov. So two things here. One, how much we discuss Eth- like life without Ethan Bear and, and whether it matters or not is going to, in my opinion, come down to when Susie returns and you have four lefties, can one of the lefties successfully play the right side? And you have options in terms of defensemen that have played the right side before Ian Cole, uh, Susie a little bit, Zadorov, but it's an open sort of um, question as to can you successfully make that transition midseason? Is the coaching staff comfortable with it? How does that affect the D pairs? Because if, let's say, Ian Cole can shift over to the right side, 
and um, and he looks the exact same as he does right now, then it's not going to feel as like as big of a blow because once Susie's back, you have a blue line that um, you're not desperately needing an Ethan Bear like presence. I mean, you would you would have I mean six defensemen that could conceivably be in the lineup ahead of him if you want to include Tyler Myers which some people may want to, some people may not want to. Uh, and the other thing, this is the big wild card with uh, with Bear, is how much does the severity of his injury that he's recovering from and missing such a significant chunk of games, the effect that has on your conditioning, impact what he actually is as a player? Because, yes, we know Bear is a net positive. He's probably a true talent third-pair defenseman who can – elevate up the lineup in a supporting role if if need be. But that's when he's healthy. That's when he's playing his best. What does it look like when he's initially returning, right? And that's where nobody really knows the answer to that until he actually suits up for NHL games. So the idea that the Canucks pick Nikita Zudorov over Ethan Bear, are you comfortable with that statement? And do you support the Canucks decision to do that if that's how you feel? Well, it ultimately just comes down to what type, what style of defenseman do you prefer more, right? Because they're pretty different players. Bear doesn't have much size. You worry a little bit about his down low defensive play, breaking breaking up the cycle. Can he do that? Can he be responsible defending the front of his net? Whereas Zadorov, he's big, he's mean. He can break up those plays in front of the net. He's got such a long reach. He adds physicality. But the asset that bear has in addition to being a right shot which makes it uh, a, a better fit from that sense is that he can move the puck really well Zadorov has shades of that when he's moving his feet well when he is making poised decisions like he did against Car- carolina but that's not always his game on a night in night out basis he can be a little bit more erratic with that so from that sense you also have to fat sort of way that okay Zadorov costs you a third and fifth round pick which it's a fair price to pay but Bear probably wouldn't have cost you anything Zadorov on the other hand is probably at this point the safer bet in terms of who's who's going to provide more value for you down the stretch once you once you consider Bear's injury situation and a more of a playoff style defenseman considering the Canucks are going to um, make the postseason assuming uh, nothing goes dramatically off the rails here. So I don't hate, I honestly don't have a problem really with uh, with them sort of ending up with uh, with Sidorov instead of uh, Bear. Okay, Dollywell reported a few things uh, this morning when he spoke about it. And one of the things he said was that the Canucks were close to a three-year deal with Ethan Bear before he went unqualified, or they didn't give him a qualifying offer, I should say. Uh, this past offseason. Now it looks like on a one-year, Bears expected to get $1.5 million on a prorated two-year deal. On a two-year deal, he's expected to get over $2 million a year. Uh, Canucks probably shouldn't match that offer if that's what it sounds like he's getting from Washington, correct? Yeah, it's. I hadn't seen that report about if it's a two-year deal, it's probably going to be in that $2 million, $2, yeah. $2 million uh, range. It's, it's a lot to pay for for a player that... Again, has that uncertainty around what's he going to look when once he comes back. And uh, ultimately, again, even when he's at his best, Bear on a good team is a third-pair defenseman. Again, he can maybe play up the lineup to be with Quinn Hughes just if you want to balance your D pairs a little bit. But 
I, I'm usually not of the mindset that you want to overpay for players towards the bottom end of, uh, of your roster, especially when you're already paying somebody like a, a Carson Susie, who's a number five defenseman, 3.25 um, beyond the season as a player who maybe might be a second pair defenseman, but has really in terms of what he's proven himself to be at this point, really closer to being a dominant third pair defenseman. You're already investing a lot um, in that uh, sort of bottom four type of uh, defenseman. So yeah, I considering that uh, potential price, it's uh, it's understandable to be out on bear. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay. Chat is blowing up, telling us we have some Andre Kuzmenko news to get to. Uh, don't know if you want to call it news, but we will get to it because Grady's been on top of it, and he's going to chime in during our Anyone Else segment, which starts right now. It's time for Anyone Else, presented by DoorDash. It's our listeners' chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat, and it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 dollars or more that's right for a limited time our listeners get 25 percent off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 dollars or more when they download the doordash app and enter code nation 25 that's all capital letters nation and the numbers two five ordering is easy just open the doordash app choose what you want from where you want and your items will be left safely outside your door with our default contactless delivery setting go check out doordash use code nation 25 Five for twenty five percent off your first order. Offer valid in Canada. Subject change. Terms do apply. Get your anyone else's in, folks. Uh, Grady Harmon and I have been on air. We haven't read this story from our pal Ian McIntyre over at Sportsnet. Uh, spoke with Jim Rutherford about Andre Kuzmenko. What do you got for us? Well, what does iMac have for us that you're relaying to us? Yeah, so he just had kind of a discussion with Rutherford on where Kuzmenko is currently at, and he was asked by Ian that. Um, you know, the Canucks, well, he said to Ian that the Canucks still believe in Kuzmenko, but they will quote, keep an open mind uh, to kind of just the dynamic with him 
and Rick. And then he went on to say, I'm concerned only to the point that now he's feeling the pressure. And when you start to feel the pressure, you start pushing, squeezing the stick harder and passing when you should be shooting and vice versa. You get a little bit concerned. He says he believes in the staff we have and that they will continue to work with him. He's a good player. He's a capable player. Is he a guy that's going to score 40 goals again? Maybe not, but certainly the way he plays, you should be able to project him for at 25. So, you know, kind of the things that we've talked about, like sophomore slump, you know, I personally think like all the trade talk and kind of the rumors around that right now is a bit getting ahead of ourselves. But I do understand like, you know, teams are out there. They they saw what he did last year. They're going to at least make the call. And the Canucks should be doing their due diligence, at least listening to offers when we all know that they need to upgrade their decor. So I'm not sure what his value would be right now. It's certainly much lower than what they could have hypothetically got it, you know, before the deadline last season. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be real interesting to hear, monitor this situation going forward here with Talkit and kind of how he works and where he fits in with the team. Love it, Grady. Thank you. Uh, on Saturday, another thing Friedman reported was that teams are calling the Canucks and asking about Andre Kuzmenko and his situation. As Grady pointed out, they're probably not going to get a ton for him if you trade him, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves in the trade discussion. And that quote from the president sure seems like the Canucks aren't in any sort of rush to get rid of this player. And why would you be? I can understand that, okay, if you have with certainty determined that he's just not going to be a fit long-term with Rick Tockett, which we don't know if, if that's actually happened or not, then okay, you're, you're in a position where you're sort of looking at offers. But even if you want to chop him, even if you have determined that Kuzmenko is not a fit with us, this is the absolute low point of his value. This is the absolute low point of his, um, his season where he's been in the coach's doghouse. He's playing the fourth line. He's not producing. And yet there is also an element of, um, of luck there where after shooting, you know, 27% last season, of course we expected some regression. I think it's probably gone too far in terms of, you know, the other side of um, the, the coin where again, the example, the type of scoring chance that he had uh, against the Canes, just some of those that would normally go in that aren't right now, or shots that he's generating from the inner slot that, he would typically bury that he's not Kuzmenko just profiles to me as the type of player that once one or two go in that he can be the type of player that could rattle off point, a lot of points in a small, in a small stretch. And then all of a sudden the narrative around, um, or around sort of not necessarily his long-term fit with the Canucks, but at least what he is right now for you is, um, is a lot better if you're an outside team, because right now you're looking at it and you're going, it's on the fourth line. Uh, what's really keeping him in the lineup is that he can play first, first unit power play. It's not, you know, he's not getting many minutes. Um, he's not really producing from, from an outsider's perspective. It may not be that appealing, but if he goes on a run where he's scoring a lot of points again, and um, let's say he earns his way back in the top six, then all of a sudden the Canucks would be in a position where they're actually, uh, they're not dealing from as, um, they got a stronger hand. A stronger hand, exactly. Uh, Daniel Brody, please stick with him for a bit. You can't just ship a player out in every slump. Antagonist agreeing, Sankuzi will bounce back. Here's a good one from Karan, uh, which kind of leads me into my anyone else, but I'll ask you first. When Suter comes back, who is the healthy scratch? 
I would say Nils Amon, probably. He's staying with the big club. Like, Nils Amon's not going back down this season. But, yeah, I would probably think it would be Nils Amon. Maybe Phil Giuseppe. One of those two guys, probably. Maybe Kuzmenko. I would I would say not Kuzmenko. Yeah, for- I, I, I want to see him... That's other, not how you get his confidence back at this point. The other it's thing not. is when players are struggling, they want an opportunity to work their way out of the slump. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Es- especially when a guy has scored 39 goals last season, he's not going to be that player. I don't think ever again, moving forward mm-hmm. in terms of being a close to 40 goal scorer, but he can be a top six player in the NHL. He deserves, I think an opportunity. So long as his defensive play isn't horrific to work his way uh, out of the slump, so I agree with you. Either either Oman or, or Giuseppe. Okay, the reason that I said Suter reminded me of what I wanted to say for anyone else is that I'm going to hint at what we're going to talk about a lot tomorrow, and that is Rick Tockett using rest as a weapon for his team. We didn't really talk about this during the week last week, but the Canucks had a scheduled practice on Wednesday, which would have been the morning after their loss to the New Jersey Devils by a final score of six to five. Rick Tockett canceled that practice, gave the team a day off. They came back on Thursday, shut out the Minnesota Wild. Post-game, Tockett spoke about how that was a gut feeling for him and how he thought he was making the right call by giving the team the day off and canceling practice. And he said, thank God I made the right call because that obviously was the right call to give them the rest rather than go back to practice and work on the X and O's, even though they didn't have the best game against the Devils. So I found that interesting. What I found even more interesting was the fact that after the Saturday night game, they had an optional practice out at UBC, which, okay, that's somewhat normal. It gives P.S. Suter, which is the reason I thought of Suter, a chance to practice, get back on the ice, because he's a guy who needs three to four more practices before he's able to really get back into the lineup. He needs that practice time. He could really use it. So Suter got that practice time, which I thought was great. It was an optional Today was a scheduled practice. Today, Monday, December 11th, was a scheduled practice for those Vancouver Canucks. That was canceled as well by Rick Tockett. We don't have quotes from it, obviously, because it was a supposed to practice and they had a day off, so nobody's talked to Rick Tockett yet. But the reason we'll talk about it tomorrow is because I'm sure he's going to expand on it more. But the Canucks have had three practices since the start of the month. And look, we know they had the grueling month of November. I really like what Tockett's doing where he's kind of, walking that line of, okay, when do I pull back? When do I push? And knowing when to do what. And I think him canceling practice today kind of goes further to that idea of, okay, my players don't need to work on X's and O's right now. They need to get rest. Quinn Hughes, who we just said had a bad game on Saturday night. Quinn Hughes needs to sit on his couch and relax, do some stretching, do whatever he wants. Quinn Hughes needs to rest. Quinn Hughes does not need to hop on the ice for a practice. I'm sure he didn't need it on Sunday. Didn't need it today either. He needs to be fresh for Tuesday's game. That's what Quinn Hughes needs. Um, And again, that's just one guy, but you know, Elias Patterson as well, who we speculated, have speculated is going through something. He needs some time. Give these guys some time to rest. I think Rick Tockett has done an exceptional job of managing his players in that regard. Yeah. And you're about to go on a road trip soon, uh, right before the holidays. Plus I think Tockett, has a really good sense of first of all, he has a great relationship with the players. And I know that he is constantly looking for their input. It's a two way street in terms of the relationship he has with them, but also he's a type of coach that oftentimes many of the decisions he makes are through the lens of 
what would I have felt and experienced as a player just because he had such a lengthy uh, career, uh, lengthy and successful career as um, as a player. So I'm sure that he's putting himself in the players' issues and thinking, what 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 would I sort of think about an extra practice here versus uh, a day off? And I'm sure he's been you know sending a text to somebody in the leadership group to to get their thoughts uh, and input uh, on it as well. And especially again after the type of performance that they had against the Canes, where their even strength game was exactly the type of a bounce back that you wanted to see after a long stretch of 500 hockey. They've also just straight up earned a little bit of rest here. Tampa Bay in town tomorrow night, the Florida Panthers on Thursday. And then after that, like you mentioned, the Canucks will head to Minnesota uh, for a game against the wild. And then Sunday, another game against Chicago Blackhawks. And that one, those games, we'll talk about it later in the week, I'm sure. But also worth noting that for our local time, it's an 11 a.m. And 12 p.m. start back-to-back days. So that's a, that, that's going to be tough to manage if you're the Canucks. And I think Rick Tockett, with the context of those games this upcoming weekend, I know we're talking about this on Monday, but in the context of that, I think it's an even better move. Jeff Patterson wrote about this for us at Canucks Arm. You can go read that right now. Jeff Patterson will be on the show tomorrow, and we will certainly be asking him about that. But let's get to some listener thoughts here in our anyone else segment this one from antagonist thoughts on dolly wall saying the canucks are still interested in chris tanov yeah of course they're interested uh price has to come down somewhat significantly from what we would expect the flames are looking for but hey we said the same thing about nikita zadorov was well the canucks aren't going to want to pay that price a third and a fifth round pick canucks were okay paying that price don't know if they need to go get chris tanov at this point but what are your thoughts on that from dolly wall well, to me, if you're making that move, you need to be confident that he, that you can keep him on a reasonable extension beyond the season. Because that, to me, would be a spot where, okay, now you can justify giving up assets when you've already given up some for uh, blue line help. So that's my thought process there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Andrew Christensen asked, what was the biggest problem with my old car? <laughs> A lot. Uh, the biggest one being it couldn't go up hills uh, confidently. So that was the tough one was when you accelerated it just anyways, long story. Um, it, it's been a long, arduous process with that vehicle. And I'm happy that is over. Shout out once again to my friends over at Habitsford Nissan for saving the day there. Uh, okay. Got another one here. This one from Karan. Uh, this was in the context of his first question about Pia Suter coming back. He said, why not scratch Phil Giuseppe so then you have two centers on the fourth line, more penalty kill options. I think that might be the biggest argument against Phil Giuseppe when the coaching staff looks at who needs to come out of the lineup once P.S. Suter gets healthy. I also think Nils Amon's played pretty well since he's been up with the big club. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Karan. I think it probably will be Phil Giuseppe at this juncture. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I haven't watched. I mean, Oman looked great when he initially got called up. I would be curious to sort of really dive into, which I haven't done to this point, the tape into uh, Oman, Oman's sort of PK play and some of his shift, even strength shifts more recently because they played well against Carolina. I think there were a couple of games in the sort of week before where that line had had been caved a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you bring up a, a fair point. Okay. We've got so many in here. Uh, Daniel Brody pointing out that we didn't even mention that it was Luongo's ring of honor night. Uh, on Thursday when the Panthers 
this, that'll be a good one. That'll be a really good one to go Save see. Save those mid- midweek, uh, oh, midweek I got debate. Some hot takes. I got yeah. some hot takes on Luongo. Uh, but, man, just as a side on the topic of this, the Canucks social channels have been posting a bunch of Luongo highlights, just pads through the years, great content from the Canucks uh, social team. And you almost forgot how dominant Luongo was. Like, especially with that glove hand, how good his glove hand was. And you go back and look at scouting reports of when he was drafted, and there were scouts saying that's the best glove hand I've ever seen. Quite possibly, he's he's retired, he's in the Hall of Fame now. Quite possibly, may still be true today that that's the best glove hand we've ever seen in the NHL from a goaltender. The great save Luongo call by oh. Jim Houston is, like, will forever be burned into my memory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, looks like that's it for anyone else's. So I am going to close it out with some Shohei Otani stuff. Uh, close out anyone else with some Shohei Otani stuff. Because if you go back and listen to Friday's episode, there was a lot of talk about Shohei Otani coming to the Blue Jays. There's a lot of talk of what that would mean for hockey coverage over at Sportsnet, what it would mean for us as baseball fans in Canada, and how huge it would have been. Didn't happen. Shohei Otani signs with the LA Dodgers. Uh, to announce it, Shohei Googled LA Dodgers logo, took a screenshot, and then posted it on his Instagram because that was the most dull free agency announcement possible for the greatest player of all time to make. Um, no video, no hype, nothing. Just, hey, fans, sorry I took so long. I've picked the Dodgers. Uh, all the love to Shohei. But he did uh, not sign with the Toronto Blue Jays, which I talked a lot about on Friday. So that did not happen. Blue Jays and Canucks fans in the same boat. Canucks missing out on Ethan Bear. <laughs> the Blue Jays on Shohei Otani. It's the same thing. I want to put this into context for Canucks fans because what happened that day was John Morosi, who is MLB Network's reporter, reported that Shohei was on a plane to Toronto. He reported that. Like, that was the MLB Network reporter. This is like... If the Canucks and the, I don't know, Toronto Maple Leafs, I think I've already thrown this example out, but I'm going to further it, were the front runners for Connor McDavid. Connor Bedard. Bedard's coming Bedard. home. Bedard. Yeah. Bedard. Great. That's even better because people want Bedard here. No, yeah. Bedard. We'll go with Bedard. Okay. Vancouver and Toronto are after Connor Bedard. And Elliot Friedman tweets out that, yep, Connor Bedard is on his way to Vancouver. Um, you know, and they're the finalists and the decision's probably coming today. All this sort of stuff. You hear all this. And then the NHL account reposts it because the MLB account reposted that report and they were like, here's the latest on Shohei Otani. The official MLB Instagram account was putting that John Morosi report out there. And they kept it up for hours, yes. like into the next day too. Yes. And then you have Shai Davidi and Ben Nicholson-Smith and like all these, you know, MLB reporters saying, folks, don't listen to the internet rumors out there. Like we're the big J journalists here. Like you should be listening to our type of coverage. Well, Shai, Sportsnet retweeted the John Morosi post. The MLB made a graphic, just like you said, Quads, the MLB network. So the lead's official broadcaster partner. And then Shai comes out in his, in his article and starts to take jabs at the fans dude ask your own social media team at sportsnet why are they amplifying this guy why is the mlb the one making all these graphics leaving it up yeah like it's not on the fans here we're reacting with and i'll include myself because i shared that dodgers nation guys post and i said you know wait until you have legit mlb insiders 
confirming this. And well, then, then you jo- got one. <laughs> John Morosi, exactly, who Sportsnet, he's on the Fan 590. Like, he does hits with all these Blue Jays guys. Like, give your head a shake here, man. That's just not, that's not some random guy is the point no. here. And that's why everybody bought into it so hard. And so now anyways. it's snowballed into, well, you know, Toronto, like, it's good for the game that he's in L.A. Toronto's like a smaller market. Uh, team when the fa- when in fact it's not because it has the entire country you know we can get into the whole Canada's team narrative another day but regardless yeah. you know there's a lot of fans coast to coast that support this team so you know you just see the arrogance of these American yeah. uh, media guys now like saying, anyways oh it's good for the game it's, it's a bunch of BS I'm sorry anyways you're absolutely right but 700 million over 10 years for sure more than the Arizona Coyotes franchise yes value. makes him the highest paid athlete and look over the next 10 years he's gonna get 700 million over the last 10 years the Oakland A's have spent 680 million on roster building <laughs> as a whole like the Oakland A's roster for the past 10 years has cost them 680 million dollars to operate the Dodgers are giving one guy 700 million over the next 10 years okay uh we're not gonna someone's saying harm why aren't you smiling in the chat why isn't he chiming talking in? about uh baseball that's why harm is not chiming in uh but I've got something for Harmon to chime in on I'm completely silent him protest until the, until the baseball talk, talk is ends. done yeah we're done talking Shohei I, I'm sure I'll bring it up at another time at some point but we're done with that today I just want to point it out that it was crazy that it was an actual reporter reporting that Shohei's on a plane. Because it's not even like, a, yeah, someone told me they're in negotiations and the talks fell through. No, someone told me he's on a plane. Okay, well, he's either on the plane or he's not on the plane. And he wasn't on the plane. It was Robert from Shark Tank, the one that everybody was <laughs> tracking. Robert comes out and he's like, yeah, who, who is Shohei? It's not me. If I was a billionaire in the SoCal area, I would have 100% booked a flight to <laughs> Toronto just to... Get everybody in the internet riled up. And I don't want to get into the conspiracy theories here, well, but apparently the Dodgers... It, that's kind of what the theories are out there yeah. because that guy, Robert, is repped by CAA, who is Otani's agent. And the original tweet about the flight um, was sent from an account that hadn't tweeted in 10 years. Yeah. And the last tweet was about like sports law or something. So, <laughs> you know, all the people online were just going crazy with it. But, you know, I think one thing we can kind of you know, confirm quads is that the Jays were just used almost as leverage at this point to kind of drive the price up. Um, Now there's reports that they were willing to go, you know, almost as high, if not to the same amount. I just don't see it. $700 million for Rogers that they just spent what 250, 300 million into the new renovations. You know, we would have, and you were doing the math on Friday. We would all had to go over our data every month and pay those extra 10, 20 bucks just to be able to afford that. But at the same time, like, let's be honest here. He was probably never coming here to begin with. And in the end, Soto goes to the Yankees. uh, Shohei goes to the Dodgers. And that's just the way baseball works is that the rich teams just open up the paychecks. And that's why we have the kind of cap, well, no cap, but kind of the, you know, payroll system that exists in that league. Yeah. Okay. No more baseball talk. Let's get to Betway. Let's get to Betway. Uh, I'll get into the conspiracy theories another day. Not today, though. Uh, let's get to Betway, Grady. Uh, this is our Betway bet of the day, brought to you, of course, by our friends over at Betway. And what is it, Harmon? Uh-oh. More baseball. The Philadelphia Phillies, baby, to win the 2024 World Series at plus 1,100 odds. A $10 bet returns you 120 over at Betway. Must be 90-plus play. If you play, please play responsibly. Harmon, I set you up here. 
because you had some fun with our old producer, Aaron Bordado and I, when we were uh, rooting on the Braves and saying, yeah, the Braves are going to get it done. The Braves are going to get it done. Uh, and of course, they ended up losing in the NLCS to the Philadelphia Phillies. So I was going to give you the silent <laughs> treatment. I honestly was not going to say a word and you were going to give it off to me and you would have literally heard nothing but static. But then, okay, fair enough. You picked the Phillies and I I like Philadelphia as a city. So much fun. And yeah, the making fun of Aaron for, for you guys being so pumped up about the Braves. <laughs> now, now I can't even like, when you talk MLB, I'm just like, I don't even know how much I can trust you. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Daniel Brody in the chat said, boo, baseball, cricket is better. Aussie here, never watched baseball. You played cricket, and you were pretty damn good at it. And then we took you to a batting cage, and we just saw this cricket swing coming out through the batting cage. You're making good contact on the baseball. It's crazy how transferable it was for you that just coming in right in, you were just sending it right back out. It was uh, pretty crazy to watch. How long have you played cricket for? Well, I stopped. I stopped like three, four years ago. Damn. Uh, I, I don't know. I played a lot as a kid. I mean, my main sport was soccer and then yeah. Number two was cricket. And I mean, I played a lot of sports. So, I mean, I played basketball. Um, yeah, I, I basically played everything. Yeah. I Except volleyball. Like I hated volleyball. I was average at every sport. Well, below average at every sport, I should say. And then slightly above average at baseball. That's how my athletic profile worked out. Gee, I would have never guessed. <laughs> All right, uh, let's close it out there. I think we've got everything. Oh, I had a prospect report. Okay, I had a prospect report, but I already did Four Winds as our presenting sponsor. Uh, this prospect report is also brought to you by Four Winds. Go check out the Four Winds light, light logger. Real quick, uh, I'll have more on Wednesday about different prospects. Well, one thing I just wanted to bring up is that Ty Young seems to have lost the starting job in Prince George, which is not what we expected. He has lost it to... Um, He's now 17 years old, but um, I got to find his name here. He's the kid from North Van. Yeah, Joshua Ravens, Ravensbergen. Uh, he was the kid. Remember this? The North Van uh, ski lift saved. You remember this? They, the kids pulled out. They like thought really fast and they pulled out like a tarp or like All one right. of those fences and they caught someone that was dangling from a ski lift. Do you remember this? I think I remember the Easter. He was the guy behind this. He was the kid. They were, I think he was like four, 12, 13 or 14 at the time because it was a few years ago. Uh, local kid from North Van, now with Prince George. He is playing unreal. He's got 11-2-0 record, six shutouts, and a 1.69 goals against average. Uh, Young will get his starts, but because of that, uh, the rookie is forcing himself into the Prince George Goal crease. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, Ty Young seems to have lost his crease for now and for good reason. Like this Ravensburg kid, uh, Ravensbergen kid to keep an eye on for sure. And not just because he had the wherewithal to save that person uh, with the tarp. That's an incredible video, by the way. That is unbelievable. But also now it's just crazy how it comes full circle. The guy's playing uh, with Prince George and he's just doing awesome. He turned 17 in November. So just something to keep an eye on. Super quick prospect report there. But now we will close it out for my co-host Harmon Dial and our technical producer Grady Sass my name is Dave Woodrelli thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel and if you missed it go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app Hi 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 